Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 327 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, we have a really cool, big event going on in Cleveland this week, uh, and it's a, a library. Well, it's actually technically a college and higher education and corporate library event, and that's to say we have a bunch of people here at Overdrive, and I was just giving tours so I feel like I was speaking for like three hours straight yelling. So That was like a really vague it's the Association of College and Research Libraries Conference. Like that's like... Yeah, and you even mentioned in the previous episode that ACRL is happening. I don't know. I panicked and I was like, who's okay. gonna know? That's okay. <clears throat> Some of our library friends would know. That's true. Um and actually there was a one of the people in one of the tours I gave today was not only a past librarian from another library and actually working with colleges she's also a past employee here at overdrive from like nice. a million years ago nice um so that that's me uh how are you doing i'm good do you want to tell us about today's episode sure so a couple episodes ago we had christine and ricky on for the march sadness mm-hmm. episode and in that we uh three of us were talking about um books about sisters and how they're really not that happy <laughs> no speaking but we thought it would be fun to do a sister book episode so that is what this is about this is all about books um about sisters yeah there's not a lot of happy ones not a lot of- <laughs> <laughs> we try i mean i think ricky made a, a comment in the beginning she's like i tried but one there aren't a lot or there aren't a lot out there that i would actually want to read so that's so funny <laughs> um that reminded me did did you watch new girl no there's this guy, um, Coach. He's one of the Wayans, Marlin, or I don't remember. I don't know which one he is, but he has this whole thing where, like, he talking. This is one episode where he's talking about how he has sisters, and the whole time, no one wants to take his advice when dealing with women. And he's like, it's not a dealing with it as it's just they're let them. They're two girls arguing. Let them argue it out. And they're like, how do you know? He's like, because I got sisters. And then the end of the episode, like, they're all freaking out. And they're like, Coach, what should he do? And be like. He's like, first admit that I know more than you. I'm like, why? And he's like, because I got sisters. And that's all I can think of the whole time you're talking yeah. about this. It's yeah. a long way to get to that. Um, so if people want to get a hold of us, you can go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. And there you can find all of our social links, our Twitter and Instagram, which is at ProBookNerds. Our Viber community, which you can join and chat all about books with us and a bunch of other people. Uh, you can also find our email, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And you can find a link to Evergreen Podcasts, which is the podcast channel that we belong to, and find some really great other stuff like seven minute stories and retro news and all sorts of really cool things there that I think you will enjoy. And before I let you get to the episode, there's one um, we got an email that was really, really nice. And it was, I want to give you some kudos because it's about a thing that you do that I super don't. Oh, okay. I oh, didn't, didn't read, read the, I didn't read the email. Okay. Surprise. I, so um, this is from Haley. And it says, the subject is, thank you for making me rise above. So it says, the, the, the message is, hello, Jill and Adam. Although, to be fair, everything she says is really directed towards things you do. Uh, I'm writing to say thank you for the inspiration on keeping metrics on books that you read in 2018. I kept an Excel sheet throughout all of last year and at the end of 2018 analyzed the results. I found something in- I found some interesting connections and I'm disappointed to say that I didn't read as diversely as I thought I had. Keeping these metrics has guided my reading in 2019 and expanded my book verse. Your podcast consistently inspires and challenges me. I've rated the podcast in iTunes, but if you ever need any more help, please contact me. Thank you again for all you do. Haley, an avid reader and a fan. 
Aw, uh, thanks, Haley. Yeah, so I kind of knew you hadn't read that. So I had not I, read that. Um, but yeah, that was all about metrics, and obviously that's the thing you do better than I do. I do. I keep a spreadsheet I've talked about before. Yes. And part of it was specifically to be able to keep track of um, the diversity of the authors that I read. Yes. So if you guys want to send us emails, again, professionalbookers at overdrive.com. We read all of those, and maybe we'll read some on the air. And also in the past week, there's been a bunch of people who actually we have a bunch more iTunes ratings. So thank you if you're going in there and actually rating us in iTunes and giving us five stars. We appreciate it. Okay. That's all I think we need to talk about, right? Yes. Oh, if you are listening to this and you're in the Los Angeles area, come to the Los Angeles Festival of Books this weekend. I will be there. That is everything. Also, you have just a couple days left to get Holmes, the big library read book. So do that before the 15th. If you want to. There's a good discussion board. It's really active. The discussion board is awesome. And I'm, it's a, to be fair, it's a book about a person who him and his family immigrated from the Middle East. And so it's always, it's the internet. So I'm always nervous people are going to be not great. But the whole discussion board has been amazing and uplifting. Highly recommend checking it out. Okay. That is everything from us. I will let you guys listen to Jill, Ricky, and Christina talk about sister books on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Apologies if I just, like, yelled in your ear. Um... This is Jill, and with me today I have Christina and Ricky. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, everyone. It's us. We're back. Ricky and I are sitting so close to one another. Yeah, we're having some sound issues. But this is the sisterly episode, so we're just bonding. We're sharing space. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Because what... What episode did we do where we just came? March Sadness. March March Sadness. And we discovered that there are no such thing as happy sister books. And it's proven true. I actually really avenged myself, availed myself. I don't know. Whatever vocab word I'm trying to use. I haven't used those properly. Yeah, in my search for them, there was always, it was either like a jealousy or like an older sister. She's evil. She yeah. dies. Yeah. There's animosity. There's not one that's just like a sister just hanging out for fun. Right. I really tried to find one because I feel like that's where my sister and I's relationship is. But I couldn't find one. No, they don't really exist. No. No. Doesn't work cinematically. Or at least not one that I would Literally. was inclined to read, I guess, yeah. either. Maybe that just says a lot about our personalities. <laughs> like, I feel like maybe we're just like, I don't want to hear about your happy sisterhood. Right. So, yeah. 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 So who wants to start and offer up a title? Oh, I guess I will. All I right. Will start. So my first title was came out last year. It's uh, My Sister the Serial Killer. Um, Perfect. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's very, the title is very self-explanatory to what happens in the book. The great thing about this book, too, is it's very short. So it's a weekend read, for sure. I read it within a weekend. Um, But it's a murder novel, but it's very whimsical and has some humor in it. And I say whimsical because of the younger sister and her presence is very, you know, she loves social media, and she, like, walks around in these, like, beautiful dresses. But behind the scenes, she's the one that's doing the killing. Um, and that's where I say whimsical. It's from her character. I think she comes off very... So, like, the older sister has to come in and clean up yeah, her dresses? Yeah, great. exactly. That's great. That sounds right. It's okay. I'm the older sister, too. So, But it is, because the older sister is the one that, like, 
knows how to clean the blood up, and she's the one that Aola calls and is like, I did it again. Uh, You need to come here, and we need to figure this out. Uh, So it follows Aola, the younger sister. All of her... Aola? It's A-Y-O-O-L-A. Sounds like Aoli. Kind of does. Are you hungry? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So she dates all these guys, and she inevitably murders them. Sure. And the uh, Korade, she comes, and she's, like, obsessively cleaning and just wants to make sure her sister's okay and make sure she's... It's that loyalty aspect of sisterhood. Um, And... It, keeping things within the family and those secrets within the family. Um, even though when Aola starts dating one of the doctors in um, her sister's hospital, she still is keeping that secret and is trying to navigate this person that she actually was very much attracted to and her, her whimsical sister coming in and kind of taking him from her with knowing what could feasibly happen but still supporting her sister in that. Yeah. And I think that's something that sisterhood shows. It's like that loyalty, even yeah. though this is in a very dark sense. Um, it's something that I really liked about, about the book, but focusing just on that as opposed to focusing on the murders and things um, that are going on. Just forget about that. Yeah. Eh, whatever. You know, if Corey murdered someone, I'd be like, could you not? Yeah. Uh, let's figure this out. I feel like we did talk about that in the last podcast about. I mean, how what we do you do? I mean, I guess maybe we're terrible dark people, but I mean, I would hope Corey never would murder someone. But am I just going to go straight to the police? I don't know. Oh, I'd right. probably want to be like, well, did he deserve the murder? Right. I mean, and some of them, there are. There's the backstory. Obviously, I'm not going to give away like the entire book, but there are backstories to each. Break it down for me, Cor. Like before I go and march your butt to the police officers here. Mm-hmm. What do I? What am I working with? Right. <laughs> but then, even as an older sister, I'm like, no, I got you. <laughs> like I, That's I got you. One. Like, yeah. What do you do? I don't know. Because you always want like because like when you hear people telling those stories, you're sort of like, why wouldn't you just go to the police? Like you know what I mean? Right. Like, well, right. But then you also know like then you're an accessory. Right. So how does that work? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, know. even it is, I don't know what I would do. I'd like to say that I would go right to the police, but I'd probably end up being an accessory I don't know what I'm saying. That's yeah, what I'm saying. but yeah. also, I mean, I guess it would be what would, what drove her to that. Like, was it something Yeah, that I'd want to hear the backstory. Yeah. Like, Give me the origin story of how you became a murderer. Right? Yeah. All right, good. We're set in. Yeah. Know. Anyway, um, we've all established that we'd be accessory to murder. Yeah, so. so. Uh, Next so. book. Yeah. Um... I will talk about, I don't know, that was like a good one. I well, I'm thinking actually on that subject, we have Practical Magic. We do oh, have Practical yeah. Magic. That, yeah, that one. was my second Keep one. snapping. Like, snapping. <laughs> <laughs> Snappy jazzing in here. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. And your bracelets, like, like shaking. I mean, I guess that's a good intro also to Practical Magic because it's, you know, about magic. Yes, and, it is. And um, I'm a magical girl. Yes, yes. And you have your gypsy. <laughs> my gypsy book. Tools today. on. Yeah. Um, so, Practical Magic, about the Owen sisters. So good. Um, yes. It's... I love witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> I love witchcraft. And so, do, like, we enjoy having things around that. So, I think this really drew me in because it was kind of that these two girls getting bullied in their community and everything is supposedly their fault. Right. Right, like um, it was deserved. And, yes. like, the community accepts or 
believes that they are, in fact, witches. Yes. um, I mean, when I was, I don't know if you guys were like this, but when I was, like, in sixth to eighth grade, I feel like every girl did this at one point. Like, you were somewhat into witchcraft. Like, I remember my best friend and I going to, like, borders to the New Age section and finding spell books to, like, curse our enemies. Yeah. Um, So, very into witchcraft. I actually read Practical Magic when I was a freshman and fell in love with it. And it was right when the craft was, not right when the craft was out, but, like, it was just, like, a whole thing. I was very into witchcraft. Yeah. As a teen. And Um, still today. I feel like, too, with them getting bullied, it was it's kind of like you start off getting bullied and then you're accepted in their sense by their aunts who are like, no, this is okay, this is what we do, um, even though, and then it's the whole going away from each other and then coming back and helping each other do certain things. I think in a more real sense, that's like, you know, when you're younger, you kind of separate from each other and go off to college and do things like that and figure out certain things. Become who you're going to be. Yes. And then find your way back as grown-ups, as adults. And you're, like, I feel like when you're with your sister, you are both the best version and the worst version of yourself. Like, she can make me more mad than anyone, and I will say and do things, and I'll be like, that's not who I am anymore. I can't believe I'm getting to this place. But she's also the person that I will, like, be the best supporter of so like right. I'm the most selfish and the most selfish when it comes to my sister like I will do and say things for her that I wouldn't say or do for anyone else but then like in the heat of the moment I will also be the meanest worst version of myself and I'll like reflect back on that and be like oh that was that was a horrible thing I said and I just feel like practical magic you know Sally and Jilly are two halves of the same coin Whole. I don't know. Whatever. Two sides of the same coin. Two yeah. sides of the same coin. Whatever euphemism I'm using there. And one is so by the book, and one is so wild, but, like, they're just, they complete each other. Right. Right. And I think going off of that, too, it's your sister, it's who you're raised with also. So you know, you stem from the same beliefs, the same, um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but creed yeah and you grow up in that and you you see certain things so that's what you tend to believe or you can really interact with that person and reflect back on it and be like back and forth this might be why certain things are happening but it's the one person you can confide in almost too because it's they understand where you're coming from and they understand some of those certain things that have happened in the past right they understand why you are the way you are yes. and like no one understands like I feel like your relationship with your mother as a daughter as a sister only your sister understands that and it's so and there's like as much as sisterhood is such a compelling story motherhood is as well and yeah. I feel like my sister and I understand our mother so well and like we'll have these moments where we'll be like oh mom right. is being so mom and only Corey understands that right or it's like but this is why she's being that way yeah and only that sibling connection will understand that. You made mom mad. Yeah. Because you're like why. mom. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> and I think Practical Magic. And I love um, the author. Um, Alice, Alice Hoffman. Alice Hoffman. I've read so many books by her. Did you know that she did a prequel to Practical Magic yeah. about the ants? I actually got, so I got my sister Practical Magic and um, the pre- prequel. 
can't, what is it called? Rules of Magic. Rules of Magic. Rules of Magic. And it has, um, I got her that for Christmas this year. I love it. And it's the same, same idea of sisterhood throughout the ages, but I love, I love the ants. And, and if you guys, have you seen the movie? Uh-huh, yes. One we of the most every, beautifully every cast films it's of a, all time. Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman. It's so good. I love that. I love that. Midnight Margaritas. Midnight Margaritas. And then they go, someone leaves, or the ghost leaves the vodka or whatever it is, the alcohol mm-hmm. on the porch. Tequila. And they just, tequila. And then they just start singing. They're like, someone left it on the porch. <laughs> and it is my favorite <laughs> line. And I also, I will say, Nicole Kidman in that film, just just gorgeous, stunning. She's why I got bangs, actually, and yes. my bangs never look like that, so thanks, Nicole Kidman, for that really terrible sophomore year photo yeah, of me. that's good. But Your sister probably loved it, though. Oh, she I'm did. Sure. She brings it out every single yeah. time. Um, I feel like, too, it brought a lot of life to the book. It does a good job at... It's a really... It's 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 not a complete adaption. Like, no. there are definitely changes, but I like the changes that they did. Yeah. I think it made... And it's such, it's, like, a beautiful, stunning play, 90s it's really film. Playful. Like, yeah. so much... But it stands the test of time, I feel like, because there's not a lot of technology in it, so you don't really know what age that right. film is taking Agreed. place, and I like that a lot. Agreed. It's so good. Yeah. I'm going to watch it tonight. You should. Is it on Netflix? Uh, it's no. on something, because I watched it recently. Like, within the last it few was, months. It was, on on Netflix, it was on service. Netflix, like, three years ago. I think it's off, though. No. You can check. You're going to have to just kind of anyway. check all the screens. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm <laughs> we watched it on Halloween. It's on something. It. Mm. I own it, actually. I don't know what I'm doing. I own that movie. Never mind. I could watch it um, on... DVD. Gross. <laughs> it's terrible, though, that when that happens. I know. Right? I told my husband, I was I like, after Blu-ray. DVD, but it's on Netflix, so I'm going to After Blu-ray, Blu-ray, whatever comes after Blu-ray, I'm done. I've peaked. This is it. No more technology. Yeah. Just none. Well, I mean, just the technology <laughs> that I have right now right. is what I'm going to use until I die. Sure, sure. That's good. I, understand. I didn't have internet for a year, so I was watching DVDs for a while last year. You are a gypsy soul. Thank you. Should we do the next book? Sure. <laughs> Let's see. What do I have? So I have one. Um, not murder, but. <laughs> well, then skip it. Still sad. Still, Still sad. sad. I have The Virgin Suicides. Yes. Oh, my. You guys are. By, <laughs> by Jeffrey so Eugenides. I love everything about this book. It's really depressing, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, so it is uh, a set of uh, sisters. So it, they live in this small town um, in Michigan, and the book is told from a Greek chorus of boys in the neighborhood telling the story of this particular year when um, the girls all kind of suffer a crisis and uh, all kill themselves over the course of, you know, a year like or so. One after the other. One after the other, yeah, starting with the youngest. Um, and it's just beautifully told, and... It's interesting, I think, that they have, it's told from these outsiders who think they know the girls, but... And they're only getting small. It's And that was one of the first times I ever read a collective narrator, and you would think it wouldn't work. Right. Because if you explain what, a, like, what it is, it's like, it's a group of people telling a story. You'd be like, what? That sounds chaotic. Right. But it's, it's so well done. It is so well done. Um, and it's just, like, it's just beautifully written, and I think one of my favorite lines... Uh, in the book and, like, in fiction in general. Um, I had a bulldog, but I'm going to close it out. Um, is after Cecilia uh, attempts suicide and fails, and the doctor's like, what are you doing here, honey? You're not even old enough to know how bad life gets. 
And Cecilia goes, obviously, Doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. Yeah, I just it is true. When she's covering, because the first attempt, she, I think, slits, slits yes, her wrist. Yes, she slits her wrist. Um, and she, they were, the sisters covering it with, like, bracelets, bracelets and band-aids. Yeah. And it was just very heartbreaking. And, and the, not to hijack your story, but we actually, uh, in college, I had to do, um, that's where I first read it. It was a required read in college where we were studying different narration and it was the collective narrator. And I fell in love with Jeffrey after that. He's my mm-hmm. literary boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, the heartbreaking thing about the story is you don't really know why. Right. And that's the point. Right. Yeah, I really like collective narration, though, because you do get, I mean, it's similar to life, where you get all perspectives. You don't know what's And you really don't happening. really know what's happening, but everyone's voice is almost heard. Um, so I think that's a really interesting approach, especially for a book like this. Yeah. Also a good movie. It is also and a good movie. And the aughts of the 90s. Seen the movie. Oh, it's a really good movie. And it, like, it's a good adaptation of the mm-hmm. book, I okay. think. Uh, Kirsten Dunst plays Lux. She does. Okay. And Josh Hartnett is the hottie boyfriend. Um, I think... Kathleen Turner's the mom. She is, and James Woods is the dad. Oh my gosh, what a beautifully... We're just really hit... Sister movies, really. Adaptation. No, it's a really good adaptation, and I think it captures um, sort of the the mood and... um, I felt the like the time. Yeah, the film almost had like a yellow wash. It does to have it. a yellow very wash. Very kind too. of yeah, soft and whimsical, but very sad underneath. Right. Yeah. Um, so I just it's really it's really good. It's one of those books I read it not every year, but probably every other year. I'm like, oh yeah, I really like this book, and I get to the end, and I sort of have this moment of this is why I want to be a writer. Like this is why I want to write to maybe one day come somewhat close. <laughs> To writing a book that's just so emotional, capt- yeah, emotional and like it's captivating. So well and, done, yeah, and everything. Gonna yeah. have to watch that movie. <laughs> I'd say I'd read the book, but I've had all these intentions to read so many books this year. Yeah, and I, I just I actually haven't read. It. I might read it. I haven't read it. It's, it's really, really good. good. I can bring in my copy for you if you want. Yeah, when we did the professional book nerds challenge for. Um, not the year one, the one we did the monthly when it was like jacket cover that you love. I actually picked the Virgin Suicides. <laughs> My sister, timely, which I <laughs> sent me on the Instagram story, responded and was like, "What is wrong with you?" Because <laughs> it has like dead flowers. honesty, very pretty dead flowers. It, yeah. I don't know. It was a pretty. It's pretty yeah, and, it and sad. Pretty. Okay. And sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I can do one. Okay. I am going to discuss the Lovely Bones. By Alice Sibold. Tears. Tears Just forever. Tears. This actually is a book that I have loved, like have had an enduring love for, and every time I read it, I get something else from it as I've aged, because I read it when I was a senior in high school. Um, so I was 17, 18, and obviously that was stuck out to me, because it's the story of a 14-year-old girl who was murdered and raped, and it is told from her perspective in her heaven, her version of heaven, and she's looking down and basically observing her family as they fracture apart after her death. Mm-hmm. And she has this particular relationship with her sister, Lindsay. Lindsay was a year younger than her, so 13 when she died, and basically she is up in heaven watching Lindsay essentially have the life she never did and experience things like sex and falling in love in a way that she never could. And I remember just 
as I as I finished it the first time, sobbing, because it's a sad, obviously, it's a sad story, but as I've grown up and reading it again, and all the different transitions of my life from adulthood to motherhood and everything, it's, that relationship is the one that gets you the most. I mean, obviously, you're watching her parents suffer and break apart because mm-hmm. of it, but you're not supposed to lose your sister. No. It's horrifying and terrible when you lose your, your parent, but... Your sister is that person that's supposed to be there for you and with you when you go through these terrible, traumatic things that you ultimately go through in life. And for a sister to go through life without this other half, mm-hmm. that one really, I don't know, it just, it's a, it's a beautifully, beautifully told story. Alice Sebold has such, uh, just such a wonderful voice. And um, she actually wrote a, a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um you know the name of the memoir? I'm blanking. It is Lucky. Lucky. I just actually talked about it. I did last week a true crime episode, uh, episode of True Crime Books, and I mentioned it. And the title, um, there's a quote on the cover. She talks about um, how, she, yeah, she was raped in a, um, a tunnel, I think, and just a couple weeks before a woman had been murdered and dismembered in that same tunnel. And so um, because she survived... I'm using air quotes. Um, her attack, uh, she was considered lucky. Like, the cops told her she was lucky. Yeah. And that's... that's and so she, that's she brings yeah. this voice of having her own trauma to this story. And it's almost like... I, I use the word lyrical, and I don't know if that's correct, but the way her sentence structure flows mm-hmm. is just... Almost every paragraph is you want it to stand by itself. And even when I was compiling what I wanted to say... Um, I, want, I actually pulled a quote that I thought was really... Each time I told my story, I lost a bit, the smallest drop of pain. It was that day that I knew I wanted to tell the story of my family because horror on earth is real and it is every day. It is like a flower or like the sun. It cannot be contained. Yeah. And it's just like every sentence is just like that. And her, going back to the sisters theme today, the way she looks at Lindsay and when she... You choose to you choose to move on mm-hmm. in her version of heaven. I believe in this version as well. Like you can stay and you can watch for as long as you want, but you make the choice to move forward. Mm-hmm. And like one of the last, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but one of the, her last things she thinks as she leaving is, is she leaves Lindsay. Like Lindsay is thinking of Susie, in her yard and the dog, and like she has a moment where she thinks of her sister, mm-hmm. and then. She leaves her in her memories where she's meant to be. And it's like, she goes on. Like yeah. She, she leaves her behind. And yeah. it's like, that's, I think, like I said, you don't, you're not supposed to lose your sister. And the idea of, like, that is horrifying and sad. And yeah. it's, it's so well done. And the way she thinks and the way she details that relationship is very special. And I get choked up. <laughs> oh, every time I think about this story, I get choked yeah. up. I think these are the stories, too, that make that reality of losing your sister and that thought even more heartbreaking than it is in real like when you read things like this you're just like that would be really hard and it brings that reality of it to you and it's similar to the book that we talked I talked about in the March Sadness everything is horrible and wonderful and it's that similar similarity of you're gone and I hate that you're gone because you're, you're everywhere and but at the same and you're experiencing life and I'm doing or even as the sister that's still there I'm doing all these things but the sister that's gone is 
it's that double yeah. take of existence you know, that will never go away and always being in around each other yeah because i feel like with her and i feel like it's that's the that's the nature of siblings like you feel their pain mm-hmm. so you don't want them to be in pain yeah like i just growing up i remember my mom when we would come time to like punish us that would be when i would be the most selfless i'd be like no mom no I mom don't 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 <laughs> yeah. hurt Corey. yeah and then later i'd be like this is all your fault yeah like, I don't know. It's like she makes you, because you don't, I never want to see my sister in pain unless I've caused it. So, I mean, <laughs> sure, of course. It was intentional. Because you feel it so, like, it, it is. Like, you feel it so close Even if to it you. is your fault or you bring pain upon them, you realize, like, you you're take. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, you, like, take 10 minutes and you're like, okay, that was kind of harsh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's maybe talk about it. Like, you never sorry, want okay. to really be the, right. the point of pain. Uh, but if you are, because obviously we're all human and the <laughs> emotions take over on occasion. Yeah. But I at least always have that instinct to be like, that was really me. And like, I'm I'm going to make it up to you. Right. Sorry. And, yeah, I'm really and sorry. And usually pretty quickly. Like, you realize Same. quickly that you're wrong. Yeah. So like I said, it goes back to being like the best and worst version of yourself yeah. on their behalf. Yeah. So. No, I agree. I think the thing about sisters is that because you up together they know your weak points and you know theirs so like they know where and as soon as you say it or as soon as they say it yeah you know she knows yeah i feel like my sister i can tell when she's about to really get me like i'll see this like look on her face and i'm like she's just about to decimate my entire soul (laughs) she's gonna say something that's gonna strike me to my core and i'm gonna think about it for years Uh here we go even if she apologizes it's still gonna stick back there yeah yeah it's still there yeah yeah for sure um I have next on my list uh, The Other Bolin Girl by Philippa Gregory. Uh, good old Bolin sisters. So, also, Philippa Gregory is just really well, great. Also, that too. Um, so, obviously, everyone is familiar with Anne Bolin, um, Henry VIII's second wife, who met her end at the uh, uh, end of an axe. Um, but she had a younger sister. Well, that's debatable. Their age is not entirely known. Anyway, um, Anne had a sister that's thought to be younger, named Mary, um, who was Henry's mistress before Anne was. And so the other Boleyn girl um, is told from Mary's perspective kind of about her relationship with Henry and then Anne's relationship with Henry. And the interesting thing about the title is it kind of goes back and forth because at any one point over the course of their lives, they, you know, it's either... They both can be and are the other Bolin girl, right? Like, there's Mary, and then there's that other one. Or, that's Anne, there's the other one over there. Yes. Um, so, watching sort of their sister relationship as, you know, because you have this, like, complication of court, and the crown is on the line. Basically. <laughs> Basically, the crown is on the line to be, you know, like, the wife of Henry, like, the king, who's married, keep in mind, at the time, but... You know, who has the wherewithal to actually... Because her family's, like, trying to set her up... Correct. ...to essentially be his mistress. Correct. Yeah. Which is creepy and weird in itself. Right. Like, could you imagine that? Your dad being like, here's what's up. Yeah. This is what you gotta do. And Mary was married. We're going in. Mary was married. Yeah. And they're still like, you're gonna go sleep with the king. Benedict Cumberbatch in the film. That is true. He just keeps popping in. I know. (laughs) He just keeps popping in. Oh, my God. That's wild. I watched that movie. Like, I know. I agree. I watched that movie... 
when it popped up on, again, I own it, but I didn't, and then it popped up on, like, Netflix, and I was like, Always. wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> is that, that is, that is Benedict Cumberbatch. We gotta find the movies that Benedict Cumberbatch is in, and we're gonna just be like, who knew? Who knew that guy was I know. In Everywhere. It's, it's Everywhere. He's in ridiculous. everything. Yeah, so Mary is married, but her family is still like, we need you to sleep with the king, because he's not happy with his wife, Catherine, and then he gets tired of Mary, because that's what Henry VIII does. And then they set up Anne, and Anne's like, I'm not sleeping with him. I'm going for the big crown. Like, I want to be the queen. I'm going to be the queen. I'm not sleeping with him. And so, yeah, it's just a really interesting dynamic between these two sisters as they're sort of going back and forth. And in the book, um, Mary Mary had children. Um, in the book, it is posited that they were Henry's children. Um, history is not sure if they were Henry's children. So Mary is still in a lot of ways, like, still in love with Henry she sees him as you know he's like the father of her children she was in love with him he's off like married to her sister and it's just yeah it's it's a really interesting dynamic um especially as Aeon in later in the book um starts to get a little more desperate to give um Henry's Henry a son, son which again is not entirely confirmed about how all that went down she but. almost sleeps with her brother let's <laughs> <laughs> just she gets and desperate. Like, history isn't sure if that happened or not. Correct. Some alleged did. Correct. Some alleged didn't. I feel like it did. Well, that's where I'm at. Here it is. Here it is. I don't know. Things were weird. I don't know. If you Things actually, were weird back I feel, then. That's what I'm saying. Know. That's why I'm saying I, mean, I feel like it did. That's what I mean. I mean, um, so I, along with reading a lot of the fictional books, I read a lot of nonfiction on the Tudors. Okay. And Anne Boleyn and Henry... Um, was determined to get rid of her, and she would not divorce him. But also, he also knew he couldn't divorce her. Like, divorcing Catherine to marry Anne was one thing. Divorcing both of your wives just makes him look bad. Right. So he had to figure out a way to get rid of her without divorcing her. And so he... I mean, like, I'm of the belief that he basically set her up. Like, I don't... She was tried and found guilty of treason, including sleeping with other men. Um... I don't know if that's true. Um, well, the, didn't he do the same thing to um, Catherine um, uh, Howard? Yes, who was a cousin of Anne's. Yes. Like he had her also killed for the she, same thing. Correct. She was also yes, she was also found guilty. But then didn't she utter her lover's li- name on her lips when she was murdered? That I I think she actually did have affairs. Okay. I don't know about Anne Boleyn. But I just the thing that is weird about Anne Boleyn's story is that. Um, Henry, so before the trial, so the the um, the axe man uh, who chopped off Anne's head, no other way to put that. Um, Kate was, I love that you're calling him the axe man. Like, what I else know. am I gonna call I him? The executioner. <laughs> Whatever. I like, I like it. No, I like axe man. man. I wanted to be Fine. called the axe man. man. My brain could not remember. I like the axe man. I want to use that for everything. Like, the axe man. The axe man. Isn't that in uh, American Horror Story? It is. Yeah, yeah I love yeah. it. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm rewriting. Fine. The executioner. Whatever. My brain was not working. <laughs> I like axe man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you feel bad. So anyway, so the executioner was not. In London, he had to be ordered from somewhere else. I want to say France. He was asked to come over before Anne's trial even finished. So, like... He knew... Henry had it in place that she was going to be beheaded. That little snake. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Well, he got his syphilis in the end, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah. Okay, I have one. I don't know which one to talk about. I'm going to talk about the weird one. Okay, I'm talking about the weird one. All right. Got to scroll. Got to scroll. Got to scroll. Stay with me. City Infernal by Edward Lee. This is a horror book. Wonderful. So also very dark. Yes. So this is, I don't know if you guys have heard or read anything by Edward Lee, but he does not care about propriety. Like, he is gross. He will go there. I actually always call him the human centipede of literary horror. But, like, I like it because Uh he's not afraid to offend you, and it's just perfect. Like, bones crunching, blood everywhere. Gross, 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 gross. Like, incest and all kinds of fun stuff. So very American Horror Story and Game of Thrones incest. So right around yeah, stuff I like. In there. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm a weird person. Um I don't like incest or just to be fair to <laughs> you I dislike incest. I also oh. dislike, you know, murder on the grounds that it's horrible, but I like stories that talk about it. To okay. be fair. To be anyway. Yeah. So um City Infernal is about um the protagonist, antagonist. I don't know what you want to call them, because they just disregard morals in general. Uh, Cassie travels to hell to save her twin sister, Lisa. Uh, in this story, if you kill yourself, you go to hell. So she knows this. She travels to hell, um, and essentially it reimagines hell as, like, a city. Yeah. Like a metropolis, the sprawling metropolis. And there's this, like, big building called the Mephisto building in the center, and that's where the devil is. And she takes the... Six, all the way up to the 66th floor to basically confront 66. the devil to, like, just a whole kinds of, disbo- like, just a whole bunch of debauchery goes down. So would he, like, release her? Is that why she's going to hell? Yeah. She basically goes to fight for her soul. Wow. But That's then, like, very poetic. gets kind of caught up in hell. And, like, the whole, I, he basically explains hell the just in a way you would never imagine it, but by the time you're done reading it, you're like, no, I mean, I'm into this idea sort of space of, of how he describes it and it's just it kind of I mean, I've talked on the podcast before I, I love Dante's Inferno so I like love to read other people's interpretations of the Bible like what mm-hmm. hell looks like what heaven looks like I'm very into hell let's be honest I re- I've read yeah. Parad- I've read Paradiso but I'm like let's get through it yeah. I want to get like <laughs> so I think it's very the idea of hell not being this cave of horrors and actually, as the sprawling metropolis I think of like horrors really, yeah. is really interesting. It's a really interesting interpretation of that. And Lisa and Cassie's relationship is really interesting. It goes back to that your sister is your mirror, so she's also the worst version of yourself. And, like, understanding why Lisa killed herself. And, anyway, I won't spoil the ending, but it's a really interesting, very dark. You have to have a good, strong stomach for uh-huh. this book, but it's good. It's good. Like it, it sounds re- interesting. Yeah. I like the idea of hell being this more, like, metro area yeah and not this fiery place but still a place still definitely yeah. hell but like a different dimensional hell but i liked it a lot interesting mm-hmm. i have another one that's not sad or hell-like. oh it, perfect. it's actually a children's book though and Brilliant. it's called sisters um it's by david mcphail and it's illustrated by him, too, which is why I like it so much. I really like drawing and watercolors and things like that. And it's beautifully done. The first page is, like, this, like, fat cat sitting at a um, a tea party. with like, And there's just, like, two little hats sitting on the chairs. And it's just a really cute introduction because the cat's just, like, having you fun me, sitting there. Yeah. Cat. And, um... But the whole story, it starts off saying all the differences the sisters have, and one's tall, one's short, one wears 
different colored socks. The other one just walks around barefoot. And then it goes into all of the things they have in common. And it illustrates those. I mean, it's literally like sentences. It's not detailed at all. And it's very short. But I think it's a really good interpretation, especially to give to kids, maybe someone that's becoming an older sister, and just be like, you're going to have these differences from your younger sister. But you're also going to really enjoy things and want to do things together. And I think that's the hope of developing that sister relationship. Because I want think... You at, should be friends. You should be friends. And I think as kids, kids can be really mean. Um, I know I wasn't, yeah. like, the nicest to my youngest younger sister when I was growing up. But now we're, like, best friends. And I think even looking back on that, like, some of the things... I used to wear different, I still wear different socks all the time. Um, but it's little things like that that I'm like, oh, that's something that we have in common now. Or like, you know, you're taller than I am and you're younger than me, but that doesn't really affect anything. Right. But it's just how it grows. And looking at little stories like that, I think is really important to like give little girls and or even little boys that are becoming older brothers and things like that. You're going to be their champion you gotta look out for them yeah i used to get so mad when my mom would dress me and my sister alike yeah i didn't want people and i, I to think no yeah sisters that was so mean i think accepting the common grounds and not seeing it as an intimidating thing where it's like well i like that so you can't like that as opposed to having like minded conversations right. with one another like, as I love adults that you like what i like yeah. yeah like i i love that i can text you and be like oh my god, did you watch Practical Magic last night? And it's not, a, like, your thing and my thing. It's, like, an our thing. And I think that's really sweet. And it's a really cute book. Uh, my sister and I both have a shared love of documentaries. And without fail, if one of us watches a documentary and texts the other, we're like, oh, yeah, I already saw it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Aww>. I, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> like, all the... Yeah. But then, and then from that, it sounds like the they're like, okay, great. Then I can talk to you about right. X, like Y, that, and Z. Yeah. And they're always that person that, even if they haven't watched it, they're like, okay, give me like a day, right? And yeah, I'll get that, and that I yeah, good. and, and you sounds know what good. I like. yeah. And I like books like this because it is that that separation of acceptance <laughs> as opposed to being like you're copying me. That's so. the sincerest form of flattery. It is, and it's it's just it really warms my heart. Yeah. You know? My sister um, just had a baby. Ah, so Congratulations, yes. sister. Thank you. He's, he's three months, so she's, like, a little bit behind me okay. in terms of, like, new motherhood. Yes. And she, like, she'll call me and ask for advice, and I always have to have the caveat of, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But here's what I did. And so right now, she's going back to work. She just went back to okay. work full time this week, and she called me the first day and was like, I'm really sad. Yeah. So it's, like, so nice to have that experience with her to understand what she's going through and like know that our you know like we'll always now have this thing to share and we both had sons Mm -hmm. so it's just been really great to kind of have that whole thing and Mm -hmm. she always has been so nice like even she waited to tell me that she was pregnant until Sawyer was born she told me when I was in the hospital because she didn't want to steal my moment stop that's yeah. so my heart is literally I know I get like emotional and I, I didn't understand at first what she was saying she was like so Sawyer's gonna have a friend in six months and oh. I was just like no I'm never doing this again <laughs> not understanding like I don't know in my like that's actually out. the cutest sentence to tell you too like, it was like so looped out in my mind that I was like I can't have another baby and she's like no me me, me. I'm, I'm telling you a friend me and so and I you know 
poor girl had just seen me go through hell and was I, like, I don't know what I signed up for, but here we go. And yeah. It's been, it's been really, it's been really special to share that with her and, you know. Yeah. So I'm lucky. Sisters, sisters are the best, man. They really are. Side note, my mom just texted me and all my siblings this. <laughs> I can't make this up. <laughs> Thanks for being amazing people. You were all the best kids to raise. So random, so but like, so it, but so it happening during the sisters' conversation. I was like, Sadie, we're doing something right. <laughs> Mom's proud. <laughs> I don't know. Very random, but thanks, Mom. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I don't know if she will, but oh, my parents, my dad loves the podcast. Oh, he doesn't read, but it's he okay. He listens. Well, maybe he'll get some new books from this. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No. 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 no, not a reader. Never has been. I've tried to show him audiobooks, and like, he kind of gets it. I think he's still listening to the Hillbillyology, which I put on his phone, like, years ago. I don't, uh-huh. you know. Interesting. My dad likes audiobooks. I just got Libby. my dad on audiobooks yeah. for Livy, too. Yeah, my dad loves Livy. Yeah. Yeah. Although he'll be like, so I'm having this problem with Livy. I'm like, Dad, I, not right now. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, <laughs> my dad does, he's like, I got this email, and it said my book was there, and it's not there. Like, Dad, you just waited too long, probably. <laughs> it's not yeah. there anymore. And explaining it to them, you're just like, you know what? Mm, yeah. 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 No. So my dad could be a reader, but I just don't even want to go down that route. Yeah. I'm trying to explain it to him. That's fair. That's fair. Um, let's see. I have two more. I don't know if I want to talk about both of them. One of them, I'll talk about this one. It's um, Homegoing by Yagasi. Did you guys read this when it came out? Mm-hmm. It's so good. So it... Um, is about it starts in the 18th century in Africa and it is um, two sisters Effia and Essie and they don't know each other um, they're born in two different tribal villages and the book spans um, up through the 20th century like their two stories you know what I mean like they're just descendants of their two kind of lines um, Effie is married off to an English colonist, and she ends up living um, in, um, like, more of a major city um, in one of the uh, uh, castles there. Um, basically, uh, like, a, that's what I'm looking for. Um, like, where the soldiers are. Mm-hmm. Um, and her sister, unknowingly, unknown sister, is, like, living beneath it as one of the sort of prisoners. And so they had, like, two very different stories and two very different trajectories that their uh, families' lives go. And you get really kind of caught up in where, you know, just these two sisters who've never met, and yet their families are still connected in this really interesting way. And how little things and little changes that you don't think are going to have any effect on anything have really long-lasting um yeah centuries that's interesting i like it's really that good. sounds and really interesting it's really good and i listened to the audiobook and the narrator is really good and um he does a good job um with the voices you know between mm-hmm. you know because at some point you end up in american south and then you have um african accents and he he does a good job um i was really impressed with the narrator his name I cannot remember, but he's an actor I recognized. So, that's not very helpful. <laughs> he's an actor? He's an actor that yeah, I've actor. seen before. I was like, oh, that guy. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> it is not Benedict Cumberbatch. It is not Benedict Cumberbatch. He's in everything. <sighs> so, yeah, that's how I'm going. That sounds really interesting. It's really good. Yeah. It was probably one of, 
I think it came, I think I read it last year or the year before. Like, I was a year behind. Um, but it was probably, whatever year I read it, it was one of the best books I read that year. Okay. Yeah. I'm interested. Mm -hmm. Intrigued. I have one more. Okay. Um, it's The Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. Yeah, We're counting it. I I'm, I want to count it. Just it it goes back to my relationship, I guess, with my sister, which is why I included it in, in this podcast. Because obviously, none of them are sisters, actually. Um, but my sister is in my friend group, like day in day out. She is one of my best friends, and we. I mean, you guys all know about our weekly dinners that we do. Um, which is the cutest. Yes, and it's something that I love because it is. And, well, we haven't done it in two weeks, but that's just because of life. Um, but having that traditional aspect of having a sisterhood, and in this book it's um, them sharing the pants as they go on their travels together, and or uh, separately, and that connects them to their stories and sending each other letters with what's going on in their lives and still keeping connected. And I think I relate to that so much with my sister because she is in our friend group and no matter where like I always encourage my friends to do whatever they feel they need to do whether it's you know leaving Cleveland or it's doing something that they might not necessarily be here or traveling or murder um things like that there's always that connection and always that um bond of tradition Yeah. yeah and with doing our weekly dinners and things like that, I think that's my traditional travel sisterhood of the traveling pants where we have that. And I think it's really important to keep tradition in friendships and sisterhood because it kind of commits you to bonding together and having that. So that's why I included it in this. Um, I know you both also enjoy the story. Yes. I'm in full support of including it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, one of my, uh, my sister's um, friends from college, Nicole, uh, has kind of been adopted into our family, and so I call her, like, my fake sister. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, yeah, it's like that. She's my fake sister. Yeah. And I like the bond of friendship along with sisterhood. Right. Yeah. I think it brings a really cool dynamic to that relationship. And viewing my sister as a friend as opposed to just a sibling is something that I think is really special. Well, my sister and I, we live apart. I live in Cleveland and she lives in Cincinnati, which isn't that far, but it's hard because I feel like she is going through this, like, crazy, weird phase of motherhood where you're, like, still learning. I'm I'm still learning. (laughs) But, like, um, my very good friend, my good friend, Sarah, is a mom and has two little girls. And she's been my friend for years, since high school. So when things have been it's been interesting so like when things have been hard for Corey I will like reach out to Sarah and there's that part of me that feels so like sad and like jealous that they're becoming friends but But also as a sister I'm like you need that person yeah so I get to like like the friendship and I see it and it like makes me happy but it's so funny because I remember when Corey was like 13 and Sarah and I were 17 yeah like you can't hang out with us right and now I'm like no go ahead and be friendly (laughs) ironically my other friend is named Sarah also and she worked at the boutique that I work on the weekends and when Sadie moved back from Kentucky you know she kind of moved back none of her friends were really here and I was just like no come hang out with like Sarah and I and her and Sarah became very good friends and I love knowing that they're 
at a point, I mean, it's been three years, so they've been at a point, but where they can hang out without me. Right. And it's, it's As long as you don't talk about me. Yes. Um, unless it's in a very, very positive manner. As long manner. as you spend an hour and a half discussing <laughs> yeah. why you both love me, that is that fine. That is fine. But I think that that also is a very special thing to incorporate, if you can, your sister into that. And, and having that, I want all of the people that mean the most to me to, to have a relationship and be able to support each other also like sisters. I think that's important. I was just going to say The Nightingale, but I feel like I talk about that in every podcast. I really <laughs> like that book, though. But it, that one especially is about sisters. Yeah. And, um, Vianne and um, Isabel are two sisters in World War II. I've talked about this before. But essentially the story is told um, from the perspective of the females left behind during wartime, which is not something historically we have a lot of right information on. Um, and just... Isabel is this rebel, and she wants to essentially, like, stick it to the Nazi regime that has occupied France in Vienne. Her other sister, who was married, whose husband's left to go fight, um, is left behind, and a Nazi soldier uh, during that time, during the occupation, just basically forced people to let them stay in their homes. And in her sister's eyes, she's just kind of, like, taking it. But really, their own ways of fighting is very different, but very strong, mm-hmm. and, like, the way they come back to one another... And what they do for one another is just so sad. And so just obviously it's a story about war. It's not going to be like a happy woohoo, not going to cry once kind of story. You cry the whole way through. And I um, I think Corey and I's relationship is a lot like that where like we have different ideas about stuff sometimes and the way we approach things is very different. But at the end of the day, I like see why she is the way she is and I mm-hmm. hope she sees why I am the way I am. Um. Yeah, um, my sister and I like that, too. i not giving too many details on the podcast, but we had some family stuff, um, like, six months ago. Uh, actually, almost six months, exactly. Okay. That's why anyway, I, that's um, and we both responded in very, very different ways. Mm-hmm. Like, full end of the spectrum responses. But I think it was one of those things where they really balanced. Like, you needed both sides of those. Um, to kind of get through, get an equilibrium of that those situations, huge emotions. Yeah, you feel it. It's crazy enough. My sister doesn't think I'm like super emotional, and like you, me. Okay, she doesn't think you're super. No. Do you, so, like, do you think like about how around, emotional... Do you cry a lot around your family, or is that just a no, work thing? No, I cry. I'm like, <laughs> I think thing. when it comes to, like, real-life big events, yeah. I don't cry first. Okay. I feel like I'm, like, more reactive, and I'm like, what can we do to solve this? That's, so, like... I am the same way. tragic things have happened to my family, I'm usually pretty quick to, like, what can we do? What, what can we stay busy with? Like, let's get stuff yeah. done. Whereas her or, response is more emotional initially, and then she kind of, like... We just do things differently. I feel like right. when I was younger, I was very emo- like a big thing happened in our family too, and I kind of shut down. But I was also very, very young. Um, but I, my grandma was actually making fun of me the other day for it. She was like, "You sat in the corner and didn't talk to anyone." I was like, "That's what I needed to do." I was like, "Sometimes very young. I was 16, and um, but now I know that when we've had tragedy in the past year." I kind of did step in and was like, okay, we need to help. This is who we need to be supporting right now. And this is what we need to give off in order to help that person. Well, and I think with Corey and stuff, it's, she 
traditionally will cry. And I think it gives me something to do. Almost so I'm, like, appreciative of that. Because when I'm, like, internally, like, freaking out and she's crying or, like, having a response, I can be, like... Yes. Let me take care of you. And, like, right. that in itself is healing. Yeah. it gives me something to do instead of falling apart. Not that she's falling apart. She, like, it's just funny to me because she'll be like, yeah, you don't really cry. And I'm like, I cry, I cry. all the time. But <laughs> when I need to be the person that... When I need to be the person. Yeah. And I think it's like, I'm respond Like, I'll watch a sad commercial and cry, but, like... No, I... Yeah, no, I'm the exact same way. I sort of, I'm like, I will cry over the littlest things. Mm-hmm. But when the big picture stuff comes, I don't because I kind of very much go into like an analytical right. logic. Let's fix it. Let's fix solve it. it. Correct. I think going back to what you said about the spectrums too, when when I'm the one that steps up, Sadie's always the one that knows that I need that support that even though I'm not showing it, she'll be the one to come in and be like, okay, thank you so much for handling this, but what do you need? Right. Like I need to support, I'm realizing in this situation, I need to also be your support yeah. um, because you're handling some of those other things. And then vice versa also. Like, if Sadie's taking that more dominant role in handling things, I'm like, okay, how can I support you? Right. And I feel like it's, like, it's it's just interesting to, like, whoever you are, yeah, you're somebody different to maybe, like, anyone. Like, what my sister probably sees me as and, like, what yes. you guys here at work see yeah. me as, what my husband sees me as. It's yeah. just funny. And it's, like, which is the realest like best version and I feel like my sister probably knows the best version of me because she's seen me respond to true I don't know it's just sisterhood. yeah sisterhood is the best sisterhood is the best so we've almost been at an hour so I'm gonna go ahead <laughs> shut us down shut, shut us, us down. down we do love our sisters though if you could not tell <laughs> so yeah hopefully uh we gave you all some good uh sister books and Thank you, Ricky and Christina, for coming on and talking to me. Thank you, Jill. And happy listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.